Hey, hey, hey folks, and welcome to episode 4 of Fascination Street. Firstly, I'd like to start off by uh, apologising for the delay in uh, dropping this episode. Uh, this was consequently uh, due to the passing of Art Bell over the weekend, and uh, I was at work most of the weekend, so I didn't really have a great window um, to be able to record. So um, it was more important to me that I'd done a tribute to, well, what we can only say is the legend that is Art Bell. It really, um, it really struck a chord with me, um, obviously, because most of you know that Art Bell is the reason that I picked up a headset and microphone and started recording. He was one of a kind, one of a million, and when Art spoke, people listened. Um, behind him, I mean, he's left such a legacy, such a fantastic collection of work, and a lot of these can still be viewed through YouTube. Now, I spent just over three hours last night sat there watching um, over three hours of um, him arguing with his... Uh, his nemesis, JC. Um, <laughs> he's a very, very interesting character in the way that Art kind of just goaded him all the time was phenomenally fantastic in so many ways. But um, it is what it is, sadly. You know, we've lost a legend and, you know, the world's an emptier place for it. So I'm not going to harp on about it. I've done my tribute bit and wherever you are, bless you, Art. Now, I'm going to start today with a story that's just, just turned up on my phone, actually, just before I started recording, through uh, Midnight in the Desert. And it's that uh, Boeing may try to race SpaceX to Mars. Um, and it's uh, Elon Musk's cherry red Tesla Roadster in space could be set for an unexpected reunion with its billionaire owner, courtesy of Boeing. That's according to Dennis Mielenberg, uh, the CEO of SpaceX's rival, who made the light-hearted comments during an interview at a Politico space forum. Mielenberg said, we might pick up the one that's out there and bring it back, as he challenged Musk in a race to Mars, reports the Daily Mail. The Boeing boss believes uh, he can get humans on the red planet in 10 years, a similar time frame to that outlined by Elon Musk. Aerospace giant Boeing is working closely with NASA on its space launch system, SLS, to take astronauts into space in the future. NASA's space launch system, SLS, has been dubbed a mega rocket and is expected to launch for the first time in 2019. It will carry out its maiden launch next year for an unmanned mission and then will launch astronauts into space via the Orion mission in 2023. The SLS uh, rocket will use upgraded RS-25 engines which have proven their capabilities over 135 shuttle missions. For the SLS vehicle, the engines will fire at 109% thrust level and provide a combined 2 million pounds of thrust. Wow. So, it seems the space race is on. Elon Musk thought he had it in the bag. You know, he's out there doing his thing. Yeah, 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 Mars, yep, yep, yep. And then there you go, Boeing and NASA. Decide, come in, trump him, beat him there. Wow. That's a, that's a story, that. I enjoyed that. 
Anywho, so, episode four, where are we going with this one? The Veil of Secrecy and Presidential Encounters. There we go. It's a known fact that there are presidents out there that have had an experience. So, why is it not more documented and out there? And what you've got to do is you've got to go to the beginning and kind of think when it first started. And I think you can pinpoint it to President Truman. Within a few months of him taking office, he had to give the order to um, launch the nuke. And then after that, there seems to be a lot of sightings, a lot of encounters and so forth. I mean, that, that was really, really the start of it all. I mean, it was only a couple of months after that that, like, Truman has to deal with the UFO phenomenon head-on because Roswell happens. But when you look at that, you look at the Roswell, Roswell Daily Post newspaper, you know, on July the 8th, 1947, you know, the newspapers reported that there was a crash saucer. But yet the day after, the the report was it was a weather, weather balloon, uh, balloon and... You know, that was the end of the story for the press. But for us ufologists, it was just the start of our journey on the government UFO conspiracy. All the way through Truman's presidency, there were many, many sightings. I mean, could this have been anything to do with the order of the nuke? Because we know that there is a connection between uh, nuclear bases or places with nuclear activity and visitation. We know that. It's a documented thing. There are, there's many, many documentaries available. I mean, I've seen a couple uh, from UFO TV. If you have Amazon Prime, they have their own channel on there. And some of the documentaries they have are really, really, really good. So... In 1952, um, Truman is forced to deal with it head on. The whole UFO thing is because the Washington Flap took place. Now, if you don't know what that is, it's referred to as the Washington Flap, uh, Washington DC UFO incident, um, and the uh, Washington National Airport sightings, or even the invasion of Washington. And it was a series of unidentified flying object reports from July the 12th to July the 29th in 1952. And it all took place over Washington, D.C. Um, the most publicised sightings, they took place on consecutive weekends of July the 19th and the 20th, and July the 26th and 27th. Now, this was quite a bit, I mean, you think, um, the, your capital, lots and lots of UFO sightings. And it's not just a one-off. This is, you know, this is quite a lot going on, consecutive nights. And so, you know, Truman gave the order for fighter jets to be scrambled and, you know, a very strict shoot-down order. And this was a very major event in, you know, the UFO phenomenon history. But what do you do with the witnesses? 
you know, when you've got that many witnesses over a capital city, you can't just hush it up. At least with Roswell, it was kind of out the way, a veil of secrecy from the government, the armed forces, and, you know, a hushing down of of the, the local newspapers, very, very Mockingbird-esque, I suppose. So following the, the large amount of witnesses, Truman uh, was forced to put a review panel uh, of the phenomenon in place. And that was her that heralded the start of the Robertson panel. Now, for those of you that don't know what the Robertson panel was, it was a CIA group tasked uh, to looking into the UFO situation and how to handle it. The first thing the Robertson panel recommended was a public education campaign. There was to try and reduce the interest in the subject matter. And then they wanted to infiltrate the civilian UFO groups and they wanted them to be monitored. So, I mean, 1952 was really kind of the catalyst of it. And then after Truman, we've got Ike, President Eisenhower. Now, the thing that got me the most about this was the Muroc Airfield visitation. And I find that fascinating. I really, really do. On February the 20th, 1954, Palm Springs, California, President Eisenhower turns up in town. Um, his visit was unscheduled, not expected, so something's not right at the start there. And then about 10pm, he disappears for about 12 hours. During that time, uh, one reporter put out a wire report that President Eisenhower had actually died of a heart attack. So, there you go, folks. Fake news was around a long, long time before Trump called it, and I'm sure it's going to be around for a lot longer after than that. The next day, um, Ike, or President Eisenhower if you prefer, shows up at a church service about 100 miles away claiming that he'd undergone emergency dental surgery for a chipped tooth. Now, I'd call shenanigans on that straight away because I know if anything happens with my teeth and I have to get in contact with my dentist, I've got to wait at least a week. I don't know, maybe he gets preferential treatment because he's the big neuro. No, I don't know. Anyway, shortly after that, um, a number of reports surfaced that President Eisenhower had been at Muroc Airfield, also known as um, Edwards Air Force Base. And that's only about a two-and-a-half-hour drive from Palm Springs. Anyone from America, if that's not true or not right, please get back to me. There are allegedly documents out there on the net um, that show that Muroc was closed for three days to all incoming air traffic from the February the 19th to February the 21st, 1954. Now that coincidentally ties into the time that President Eisenhower disappeared. 
then rumours began to circulate that President Eisenhower had been at Muroc Airfield. He'd met with aliens. And that was all leaked out on a radio show by a guy called Frank Edwards. Uh, Frank Edwards was kind of a big deal back then. I mean, his audience was in the millions. And the good thing about Frank Edwards as well was he was a believer in sources and UFOs. But there are MUFON case files and that stipulate that there were numerous eyewitness accounts in the file of um, President Eisenhower meeting and possibly striking a deal with the ETs. It's claimed that during the alleged deal between President Eisenhower and um, our visitors, there was a deal which was then going to offer their tech to us in return for a present, uh, permanent presence base on Earth. So, after the alleged meeting, um, President Eisenhower, he, he then implemented a policy of total secrecy uh, concerning UFOs and ETs. Any such reports thereafter were deemed as a national security uh, matter. Is it possible that President Eisenhower met with an ET? However... It's not the first or last time a president contends with the phenomenon. There is a fantastic paper that I found a little while ago. I was going to take extracts from it to put into this one, but it just wasn't possible because once you start reading it, you can't finish it in bits and pieces. You have to do the entirety of it because it's a really good paper. And it's actually by a Dr. Michael Saller. Uh, um, exopolitics.org and if you're interested in the name of it uh, it was called the 50th anniversary of first contact research study number eight by dr michael Saller. you can get it on google and if you haven't read it please read it it it's it's fantastic really 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 was so we forward ourselves a little bit and between 1961 and 1963 there was a lot of dialogue going on between the JFK administration and Russia and this is all with regards to sharing UFO information so as not to accidentally start a nuclear war bearing in mind this was the height of the Cold War now on November the 11th 1963 Russia launches Cosmos 21 and that was an unmanned spacecraft, but it doesn't make it out of Earth's orbit, and its mission is still unknown to this day. The day after JFK ordered the National Security Memorandum asking NASA to work with the Soviet space program, he also sent a memo to the CIA telling them to share secrets with the Soviets with regards to UFOs. Surprisingly, these orders were never carried out. There's a CIA memo issued November the 12th, 1963. 
And then 10 days later, JFK was assassinated. There we go. How about that for the start? So this is my part one of a two-part episode. And when you sit there and you listen to this and you kind of look at these bits and pieces going on, it's it's mind-bending, but there's so much there that seems so linked. Um, the next part, I'll be looking at what um, President Nixon knew. Now, if any of you don't follow Daniel List, the dark journalist at the moment, he's doing a section on uh, Nixon's legacy and a possible time capsule uh, that Nixon left with regards to the extraterrestrial phenomenon. If you're not aware of that, I, I encourage you to go over to the Dark Journalist YouTube channel and check out what he's done so far because there are some fantastic bits and pieces on there. Um, I know he's done an interview with Linda Moulton Howe on Earth Files, so if you have the K, KGRA app, possibility you'll be able to get back and listen to some of those, but they, it's time well spent. And again, when like listening to this, there's a lot of things that ring true, make sense, and it does, it kind of connects the dots. Before I leave, I'd just like to say a very big hello to Ray Davis at Anunnaki Awake um, and his Sixth Sense Media Group. Please go over, check them out, give them a follow. Hello to my friends at Disclosure Team Live. You've done a fantastic job the other day on Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. How you managed to keep composure and carry on just after he broke the Art Bell news, I have no idea, but honestly, you've done a fantastic job. You really did. And if anyone listening to this doesn't follow them, please go over, give them a follow. Thank you very much for listening. I really look forward to episode number two. And... Look forward to you joining me. See ya. The podcast you just heard was recorded with Anchor. If you want to make your own, download the Android or iOS app completely free from anchor.fm slash podcast. That's anchor.fm slash podcast.